gardeners at their school where you grew up. Look both ways before crossing the street and then cross what is safe. That's still good advice, but it's not adequate for the culture that we live today. One reason that there are so many more ways that we get distracted than in the past. The scriptures take place for those who walk, especially if you take a visit to the UK and try to look at the way that we do. Instead of the way that they do, then of course you get hit and you won't be living much longer. Anyway. So there's nobody looks. The best fear I've seen oblivious to traffic lights, stop sign, walkway. Never put that single on after turning left or turning right until they're right at the road in which they are about to turn. Which annoys me. But anyway. They're focused on things such as making calls while they're walking or while they're driving. Reading text messages, reading e-books while they're driving, or listening to podcasts or music. Those on wheels are also seen looking at the device instead of at the road. You ever have a person, why are they going so slow? And when you get close, they're like this. That's why they're going slow. They're distracted. The way of the past that says look both ways is no longer enough. People also need to stay aware of their succumbing or be aware of the, the surroundings. The result is the old saying can be changed instead to look up and then look both ways before you cross the road. Which is a good lesson in life. To look up and then look both ways before you cross the road. As prophet Isaiah mentions in the scripture, listen to me. Listen. What are the distractions that are drowning out the voice of God in your lives? And he's speaking to a people that are in exile. He's telling them about promises that have been fulfilled and a future that's still promised to them as they live in their present moment. They've been in Babylon for roughly 70 years and they're about to leave Babylon, but they're always going to have another power being oppressors over them. Babylon might be dethroned, but then comes Persia, and then comes Alexander the Greek, and then comes Rome. Right until 1948, they were always under the foreign power that snubbed them and held them down. And God's telling them, don't look at your oppressors that keep you down. Look to me, listen to me, and pay attention. Pay attention. Our passage today, oppressive people that are fearful, you would be too if you've been oppressed and been in captivity by a foreign power for that length of time. And don't forget their experience in Egypt for 400 plus years as well. And then the period of judges where nobody did the will of God, everybody did what they wanted to be. That's right. So years of harmony are very few in the life of history, especially the history of the Israelites and the people of Judah. But they have this message from God that if you listen to me, you heard Pastor Benny read, and then you heard those concluding verses that his righteousness and his salvation will last forever. There's a glorious promise for the future. That's right. Even though the present looks awful, it looks dread. So, what do you do when you're in the midst of noise and spiritual chaos and you can't hear the voice of God clearly? Well, we know what the Israelites do they sang the blues, the song of lamentation. By the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. 
They were downtrodden. They believed that their current situation was a hopeless one because they believed that Babylon was the problem. And God's trying to wake them up. Listen to me. Pay attention to me. Babylon is not the problem. Much like we believe our reverence in our church as a church of Christ in our day, because it's declining, that that's the problem. It's the government. It's the institutions. It's the commerce. We blame everyone else. But God is trying to get the people of Israel to listen to him. Say the problem is you. You're there because of your own disobedience. You did not listen to me. You listened to the distraction. You paid attention to other voices, other gods. But you did not hear what I had to say. But thank God that he still promises a universal deliverance for all. The blessing of Abraham is still intact. That he will be a blessing and he will become a blessing for all people. And that's what you inherit through Jesus Christ. The problem is separation from the ways of the Lord. You can save somebody from a foreign power, but you can't save that person from the power of sin and death. That only comes through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We are on the outlook for the serpent king to return. They were on the outlook for the serpent king to appear. They heard about the Messiah, and the present day Israel, the nation of Israel, the people of Judah, are still looking for the Messiah. But we know who he is, Amen. right? Do you? What voice are you listening to? For the God created the whole universe of worlds with words should have no problem dealing with the problem of sin, the power of sin, death, and restoring the ruins of Jerusalem. Isaiah knows that in high times and in low times, the community of faith must be engaged in active remembering. Active remembering. The prophet says, Listen to me, you who are righteous, or pursue righteous, and seek the Lord. They are to listen attentively to the words of the Lord that are found in Scripture. Now, listen is the word that you find in, throughout the Hebrew Bible, and what we know as the Shema. The Shema Hear, O Israel, the Lord is God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, and all your soul. Here. Now, when we look at, at the word Shema and what it means for us, there is no word for obedience in the Hebrew Scripture. Because when you hear the Shema, the Shema means to listen, it means to pay attention, it means that we're in covenant with one another, it means you obey the word. You don't just merely hear it or listen to it, you put it into action. A few weeks ago in the midweek Bible study, I brought out this definition by Lynn. Kahn wrote a commentary on the book of Philippians. She said, obedience is not a list to accomplish, but a relationship to deepen. Amen. And we've missed this. For most people, they think obedience is, I did this, I did that, I did that. No, you obey God because I want to deepen my relationship with God. Amen. That should be the primary starting point. And how do you bring that into it? If obedience is not in the Hebrew, that means you need to listen. Not to lead to the heart. And how do you listen to the Lord? Through Scripture. I shared this with many times, and sometimes it's hard for people to get. In the Jewish concept of prayer, God speaks to you through His Word, according to Scripture. And then you speak to Him. You don't have to rattle your heads, I can't hear Him. I can't hear Him. He's speaking through His Word to you. Jesus 
is the king according to the scriptures in 1 Corinthians 15. You can read it for yourself. That's what the gospel is. The fulfillment of Jesus the Messiah becoming what God said he was to be. The call to listen attentively to the words of the Lord are found throughout scripture. It was the prophet Jeremiah who once said, Hear thus, so foolish and senseless people, who have eyes but see not, who have ears but hear not. Jesus himself said, I tell you the truth, those who listen, remember, listen, pay attention, we're in covenant with one another, walk in obedience, it means all of that, to my message, you believe in God, who sent me, have eternal life. He also said that my sheep know my voice. On 15 separate occasions, Pete Greg, Greg uh, writes these words. He says, Jesus urged his listeners to have ears to hear. Okay? Those that read scripture, you know what I'm talking about? He who has ears, let him hear. Well, it's a good time right now. Then he brings this out. Because it is perfectly possible to stand in a crowd, staring at Jesus Christ himself, listening to his words, and missing his entire message completely and entirely like most people in churches at times. Mm-hmm. Oh, that hurts. I know. Jesus himself was speaking here, was saying the same thing. Oh, I, I know you're hearing in the English, but are you listening and obeying and realizing you're in covenant with the Holy One? Is your relationship being deepened with the Lord? Are you moving closer to Him? Are you moving away from Him? James said, my dear friends, you should be quick to listen and slow to speak to get angry. We live in a culture that is very quick at speaking and very quick at getting angry, but they're not listening. They're not listening. Now, husbands and wife, we know this scripture quite well. Parents and children, you know this scripture too. Mom doesn't listen to what I say. My husband doesn't listen to what I say. And we keep blaming each other. We're supposed to forgive in our relationship. We should both listen to each other, no? And if we're in a relationship with God, which is the righteousness we've got to create all things right, so that we can be in the right position, then we should be keeping our relationship by being obedient and listening to God. Then we look to the book of the letter to the Hebrews. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in God's rebellion. Not tomorrow, not yesterday, because it's God. And tomorrow hasn't come yet, but right now in this place. Listen to me. You who are righteous and pursue righteousness, seek the Lord. Listen to me, says the Lord God Almighty. What did Paul say? That faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. How are you doing? How are you doing? See, faith, writes the late Rabbi Sachs, ability to hear the music beneath the noise. You can blame the noise as Israel blamed Babylon for the condition that they found themselves. But if you have faith, it begins to make the music. My soul begins to sing because I know who I am in Christ Jesus, right? In the midst of the never-ending noise of our day, climate change, identity politics, economic inflation, job losses, job gains, changing definitions of gender, books and articles about the declining church, 24-7 social media reports, which has us scrolling forever through time, hurricanes, wildfires, 2,000 plus dead in Morocco, 11,000 in county in Libya, death shattered diagnosis, 
from a physician to death of a loved one, we need to hear God say, people, God, listen to me, says the Lord. Because if you're listening always to those voices, oh, the church is declining. Oh, they're not coming to church anymore. What are we going to do? Then those words of negativity and doubt are going to shape you and not the word of the Lord. What voices are you really listening and obeying and implementing in your life? Do you still believe that the God who delivered the Israelites can deliver and restore people? Amen. Amen. Yes. Do you still believe that He can take wounds and He can take something confused or something broken and make something beautiful of it again? Amen. Amen. Do we still believe that we can stay here and say, He is speaking? Are you listening closely? Do you hear him calling out by your name? Amen. Amen. Now hear me right. These circumstances that I just listed off the realm of are traumatic. Yeah. They are real tragedies. 11,000 people dying in a week because of a flood and a broken dam is not something to take lightly. It is serious. And no doubt they may numb us or render us left to the including the voice of God in our lives. But their pain is real and we should mourn with them because that's what Jesus said. Blessed are those who mourn. Right? They shall be comforted. And blessed are those who comfort those who mourn. Right? But the people in captivity are not the problem. Babylon is not the problem for the people in captivity. And neither is all the noise that we hear our problem today. Our problem is that like the people of Israel, we have drifted away from God instead of to God. You follow me? Yes. I have a question. Has Jesus become dispensable? When on a list of things to do, who's the first one that you take off the list? Is it Jesus? I know I'm hitting. I'm touching something here. Who's become dispensable in your life? When you look at what you need to do in, in your life, what you need to do just to move ahead, who gets cross off that list. See, time in Babylon wasn't all bad. Remember Jeremiah said that I had the Lord spoke to Jeremiah which he told the people in going into captivity that I have plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Well, that took place in Babylon. And some prospered in Babylon. The problem is that they never wanted to go back to Jerusalem because it lay in ruins because they did so well in Babylon. Even the story of Esther that tried to hide her Jewish, her Jewishness. They were still left behind. They didn't go back when the rest of them did. They stayed behind because they were doing well. And that's how we got the dysphoria of the Jews that were spread out throughout the Mediterranean of that time. When you become a fluid, you begin to suffer from amnesia. You begin to not listen to God. You begin to listen to the voices of the world. I heard a rabbi speak last week, and she began to list all these things of all nuns, and Master Benny's mentioned it many times, about people that are no longer interested in religion per se. And then she, she made a list that, okay, we have these people that are not interested in religion, faith, whatever you want to put there. We have people that don't care for the family as, as a nuclear unit anymore. Then we have people that don't care too much about this thing. But he says, the one thing that's gone up on the scale 
is we start to care more about economic and commerce. So what does that tell you? That we're beginning to put more faith in manner than in God, than in family, than in our communities. That's what our emphasis right now is, as a society, it's all got to do with the budget. The budget. And I know we've got to live in this world, but we don't have to live like the world. Because right. Jesus didn't say he's going to take you out of the world, but that he would deliver you from what? The evil one. He came to destroy the works of the devil. So, these people are there. And the ones in Jerusalem really got back, because they weren't part of the elite. The ones that they took to Babylon were the top of the class, like Daniel and the rest of the boys, right? They were smart, they had wisdom, they could contribute. The same thing the Americans did in the Second World War, where they took all the brains from Europe and brought them to the United States, and they made the atomic bomb, right? No different, thousands of years later, that's the way the world operates. So they're over there, and they're, they're suffering, and, and, and they're, they're really bad, and we have to really feel for them, because their life is the pits, the ones who stayed behind. There's rules, the temples walls are gouged, the, the walls that protected the city are destroyed. And we know in Nehemiah and Esther that they get rebuilt. But these are the words that you find in Lamentations chapter 5, that Jeremiah speaks to help us grasp how bad they have it in Jerusalem ones who were left behind. Remember, Lord, what has happened to us. Look and see our disgrace. Women have been violated in Zion, virgins in the town of Judah. Elders are shown no respect. Boy, that's a message in itself for our day. Elders are shown no respect. Raping the young girls. Raping the women. Disgracing everything. And they got to live there while the other people at the top got escorted back to Babylon. It's because we serve a God who cares and sees that we can, we can hear him say, listen to me, and we need to hear the voice of the Lord, a God who still speaks, even when you're not listening. Did you get that? God still speaks, even though you're not listening. Because one day, you're going to come to that wake-up call and say, oh, Lord, I hear your voice now. I'm going to be still. Speak to me. Mm. Seven times in the, this passage that we have before us in chapter 51 of Isaiah, the Lord is calling his people to participate in what he's doing, to remember the past, and to imagine the future. Not listening to God is no way forward in the mess we find ourselves today. We complain of burnout, we complain of exhaustion, we can play that we don't have any time. We all have the same time, fellows, 24 7. When the clock hits 12, it's the same for me as it is for you. Okay? But let me bring you back to Isaiah chapter 4 for a moment. And we know this passage, it's been turned into many songs throughout the years. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall into God. So that happens to all of us. If you're old or young, we all get tired, we all get exhausted. Right. But, he goes on to say, They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount on wings like eagles, they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Amen. 
To listen properly to the Lord, we need to be a people who know what it means to wait upon the Lord. This is the problem I see in the contemporary church. We want to be an Acts 2 church. Holy Spirit, come, fall, without being an Acts 1 church. Wait until you've been clothed from power from on high. You can't do the works of an Acts 2 church by skipping the waiting period. You need to understand that we've all been called to wait upon the Lord. This is not something for pastors or church board leaders. This is something for every child of God. Every child. We need to learn what it means to wait upon the Lord because we live in such an accelerating age. The more te technology comes out, the tired we get. Figure that out. Figure that out. We go from the washing machine to the dishwasher to the phone to the computer to the lawnmower, and now you can get with, with robots or whatever they're called, their remote control lawnmower. You don't even have to be in it and let it go. We're just operating all those devices, and we're at the end of the day, I'm exhausted. Nobody did any physical thing. Just exhausted from going from one toy to another toy in simple language. The Lord told us to wait in this time of acceleration. Because right. if we don't learn to wait, we never understand the connection that comes mm. when the Lord does show up as a day of Pentecost. And the mighty day does come. Oh, and the tongues of fire come. Oh, and the people begin to prophesy. And the people begin to speak. And people begin to hear the word of the Lord without any four spiritual laws. But they hear that the promise has been fulfilled. Because the Messiah has come, the Messiah has lived, the Messiah has done, and the Messiah has risen from the dead. And they say, oh, I got it now. I got it now. That's what God's been talking about. That he is going to make all things well again through his son. The arm of his salvation. The arm of his salvation. The late Rabbi Sachs said that the sentence, I hear you, has recently come into English usage, mainly in urban America. And I hear you means I understand. Okay, we heard it. I hear you. I hear you. I think God saying to the church, listen to me, and your response should be, I hear you. Do you? Do you hear what the Lord is doing? That should be our response. Like Moses got a little bit angry at times. You know, he struck the rock and he wasn't allowed to go into the promised land across the Jordan. But there was a time when him and his Levites family, while well, all the chattering was sort of swirling around their life, they were stuck in the wilderness. You know, they left Egypt and they get stuck on a journey that should take a real small length of time that got stretched out into 40 years. Mm. And then he says these words to Israel. Be silent, Israel, and listen. In other words, instead of all that chatting, all that murmuring, all that complaining, all oh, poor me, all oh, the church is going to die, we're not going to be here in five years, stop! And begin to listen to the Lord and see what the Lord is telling you and not what social media is telling you and not what the newspapers are telling you or what the government is telling you. What is the Lord saying to the church today? What is he saying? I know what he's saying to me. Listen to me, my. Listen to me. Now, I read a lot, and a lot of people got a lot of things to say. But that can easily drown out what this got to say to me and to you 
and to our families and all that come behind us. The message of the servant is for the people who have faith. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness. You who seek the These are hungry people that he's speaking to. In chapter 50, I already dismissed the ones that just, uh, I don't want to hear the Lord. But he's speaking to the faithful. Don't give up. There is a beautiful day coming on our pastor, but he said the other week, the best is yet to come. March forward in the Lord. It might sound like Bob Dylan's title song of years ago, a slow train of coming, like when you think the promises of God. But I tell you, that slow train of coming that comes from the Lord is good enough to get us where we need to be in Him. Speeding up gets us nowhere but anxiety, <laughs> anger, frustration. We live in an age where people are allowed to define themselves. Now, what, what you think on that, that's, that's, that's your business. But I'm just speaking as a result. You would think that if this is an age where I have the freedom to define myself, I should be okay. I should be happy. I should have peace. But instead, people, this generation of defining yourself has turned people into a people that are confused. Yeah. People that are full of anxiety. People that don't know what, who they are. Forget about religion. You just don't know it. And you think the opposite should happen. When you got the freedom to define yourself. Pastor Dennis spent many weeks already telling us about the identity that is ours in Christ Jesus. That's who we are. That's who we are. That's who I am. I have a Christ relationship. You have a Christ relationship. And because I have a Christ relationship, and you have a Christ relationship, we can get together and we can believe that God can move mountains. Amen. That he can do the impossible. Not because of our own relationship, because our relationship that we share with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The message is for the people of God. You know what the problem is? They've been in Babylon a long time. And in Babylon you have people that never seen the temple growing up. People that never went to the synagogue. People that, that never heard the stories of faith, the stories of King David. Because they grew up in a foreign land and they were oppressed by the people. I don't think the problem was always their fault. Sometimes it could have been some of their parents' fault. People who believed because Babylon had them in captivity, Persia had them in captivity, Alexander the Great in the Hellenistic world had them in captivity. They believed that their gods must be stronger than Yahweh because they're the ones who hold power over us because they live in a world where might is power, right? The same world we live in today. But isn't that where we find ourselves today? Do our children know the Lord's Prayer? Do we teach them the Apostles' Creed? Do we teach them the essential elements of our faith? Do we teach them the difference that this is not a divided book, that you only read the New Testament, but you didn't even know the whole counsel of God to understand why Jesus came and died and rose again? Do we, do we deposit our faith in them, or do we just let them go and say they can make up their own minds? Because if we don't teach them, folks, well, right. we had that picture of all the grandparents singing. That means they all got children. Right. The children produced grandchildren, right? So we have all those grandparents up there, the children they have, and then the children's children, and some of them were great grandparents, which means the potential that God has in this local congregation is exponential. That's right. Just from the connections that we have. 
right. without touching anyone from the outside. But if we begin inside, amongst us, oh, what can the Lord do with those outside? Amen. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He touched me just in, he saved me just in time. And what do we respond? Well, I'm going to praise his name. Some of you guys know that song. Some of you don't. So what does the Lord say? Listen to me. And he moves from listen to look. And he says, look to the rock from which you were hewn. And he says, look to the quarry from which you were dug. And most people are saying, is he talking about God? If they stop there, right? Because you know what the answer is. That's the very minute. Because he's the rock of our salvation. He's our fortress. He's our deliverer. He's got to be talking about God. Deuteronomy 32, 18 says, you turned away from God, your creator, you forgot the mighty rock, the source of your life. And he's not talking about Yahweh. He says, in a version, that the rock is Abraham. And the quarry is Sarah, because she gave birth to Isaac. Right? Follow the logic there? Yeah. Yahweh gave with Abraham and Sarah is still ground for us believing that Yahweh can do something similar today. The writer to the Hebrews, the Hebrews said, throughout well, scripture says that Abraham was as good as dead. That means his potency went out the door for those that don't understand that. There's no way he was supposed to have children, but he had two. One from the slave girl Hagar, turned out to be Ishmael, but then Sarah finally received the baby that was promised to her, and the seed of that that will become a blessing to all nations, from which Jesus' genealogy comes from. We got to look at Abraham and Sarah. Why? Because they're models of faith. But you just don't look at them. It says that you need to lift your eyes to the heavens in verse 6 of 51. Remember Abraham? He was counted righteous by God. There was no law at that time. So he didn't make a list. He was counted righteous because he wanted to deepen his relationship with God. Not to say there was an unspoken law before the law. But that's for another day. And Sarah was the one who laughed at God. And they called the child Isaac, which means he laughs. There were rocks of faith, and one set out alone and wandering against all odds, and they became a great nation. One person considered dead became a nation of many people, in which the blessing upon all blessing flows the life of Jesus Christ for you and I. Amen. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Do you believe it? Amen. They are the rock from which they were healed, the glory from which they are done. Irony of God's here because rock is an image of strength and stability. How could old people be strength and stability? Well, because we are. Because I'm an old person. Because <laughs> we are. The exiles torn from their land, their institutions, and have no doubt from their God, hardly seem strong and stable, yet the prophet calls them to remember that they come from these ancestors, these heroes of faith, these people that the writer to the Hebrews lists in his chapter 11. These are your ancestors. See what they came through? See what they did in their life? See how God took care of them? How he, take care, he took care of them? Is how he's going to take care of you. But you need to listen. Listen to me. And not all that other noise and distraction that is flowing around. They went from a few to many. But you know the people in Israel, the people in Babylon, 
And the people in Jerusalem are just like you and I today, complaining about the declining church. Say, well, they were few and many, but we're nobody. We're, uh, who's that? It's just us. How are we going to have a future? The Hebrew scholars, they argue with the text. And we need to get that back into our system as well. To get into the text, to imagine the text, to see what's going on in the text. And God said, don't give me your pity party. Look to those people. They were good as dead. And look what came out of them. You did. You did. And there's a future for us now. There's a future for the church of Jesus Christ. Because this world will not drown out, take out, cancel the church of Jesus Christ. Because God is Lord and King. Right? We live in a cancel culture. Cancel, cancel, cancel. But Jesus didn't come to cancel culture. He came to redeem culture. Amen. To turn it back to himself. Amen. Right? Amen. There's no forgiveness in canceling culture. No item of forgiveness. Nobody forgives each other because we're blaming each other. You're stuck in the garden with Adam and Eve. The people of Israel were called to be a listening people. Hear what I say to you, Adam and Eve. And how did they fall into sin? They looked instead of listening. In other words, they took the apple and they disobeyed instead of obedience with God. They risked their deeper relationship with God for the sake of an apple to gain knowledge. Isn't that a shame? What are you trading off in your life in this world? Abraham had the courage to argue with God, you? David had the courage to intercede for a place called Sodom. How about you interceding for the Sodoms of our world today? Instead of complaining about them, to intercede for them. He was going to kill his own son until God intervened as he took them out. He was willing to obey God until that point of intervention. Remember your ancestors, says the Lord, and respect your allies. We don't need Roger David or Tangerfield to tell us I have no respect, especially in the church. For those of you who don't know Roger Tangerfield, Google it and find out yourself. <laughs> he was a comedian, a Jewish one at that. Listen to me, says the Lord God of hosts. We live in a culture that's suffering from amnesia. We are a forgetful culture. And because we are a forgetful culture, we're going to forfeit our future. That's right. That's ours in Christ. If we don't begin to wait upon the Lord, not just individually, but more importantly, collectively, listening for God to speak His Word into our life as an assembled body of Christ, we're going to forfeit future. Now, there are going to be people that are listening to it somewhere else, but we need to do it for ourselves, right? For this community, for this house of faith, for this place in which we come and assemble weekly to declare our praises to the Lord God Almighty. Listen to these words from a person that's sure remain nameless, I say. Today's clamor from war, the weather economy, the leadership crisis of confidence in business, government and religious institutions and the politics of division that has become standard procedure in our time cannot drown out the good news 
that God still speaks to us. Amen. I hear an amen. amen. Do I hear I hear you? Amen. Do I hear, I hear you? All that's being said in our world cannot drown out the good news of Jesus Christ. He was, he is, he is to come. Say yesterday, today, and forevermore. He is Lord of all. Loud sounds of gun violence, of lost jobs, and fraud trenches, and funeral homes that defraud the people with their prearranged funerals. Very close by to here. Poor educational systems, unaffordable health, homelessness, unaffordable housing, and injustice would not have the last voice. And the last word, the perceptive ear of faith, will still hear God's voice in spite of screaming cynicism and skepticism and doubt reminding us that God's salvation is sure eternal. God has the last word. His good news triumphs because mercy triumphs over judgment. Right? Listen to these as the Lord. You know in this book of Isaiah, as I close the worship team come in front. It has a place, I read already Isaiah 40, while waiting upon the Lord to renew our strength. But there's a place where it says, remember not the former things, because I'm going to do a new thing. And here he tells us to look back to the former things. So what's he saying about all this? He says that we can live life forward, but understanding only backwards. Right? He says that time becomes an arena of change in which the future redeems the past and a new concept arises. It's called hope. Amen. That's what we've been deposited with. If you look at all the other religions in the world that are not Ju uh, Judaic, Islamic, or Christian, everything is a cycle. It's a cycle. Well, we have a story of somebody that can break into time and can redeem the world and redeem creation and redeem mankind and the human race and that gives us hope. I said, ah, that's the difference there. I close with these words by Walter Brueggemann. There's a danger in forgetting what you must remember. Right? But then, to find it up, Isaiah does not contradict himself when he says forget the former things. But there's also a danger in remembering what you should forget. Right? And that's the tension that Isaiah keeps us in. And there's also a danger when you're staying, when you should go into all the world. Remember a couple of weeks ago we shared about that pastor in Ontario that preached, are we a go people or are no people? A go people hear the voice of the Lord and walk accordingly. A no people stuck in their misery. Let us pray. Father, as we sing this last song, I pray that you would give us ears to hear your word. I pray, Lord, that we'll begin to read from Genesis to Revelation that you will reveal the story that you have deposited within our hearts. We thank you that you haven't left us as orphans, that you've given us the Holy Spirit Amen. to teach us all the things that Jesus taught his disciples. We are not left in the dark. If we sit and be still, you still speak, O oh Lord. Amen. And you give us hope in this age of hopelessness, in this age of distractions, in this age of confusion, in this age of anxiety upon anxiety upon anxiety. We, Lord, want to welcome your peace. 
the peace that passes all human intelligence and understanding. We want to welcome, Lord, your holiness, your wholeness, oh God, upon us, that can bring us not only united within our spirits, but united among ourselves, to put an end to quarrels. To put an end to, I'm going to do it my way, but we'll begin to do it your way, Lord. May we look to the ancestors in our own lives, the ones who have deposited the seed of Christ to us. And we know, O oh Lord, that our role is only to plant a seed and to give it water. The growth belongs to you, O Lord. And that's why we can say, O oh Lord, all glory to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We ask that your will be done on earth, right here, as it is up there, O oh Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, I pray. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.